We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat. Jason, the Bulls, after two losses, are back in the win column. A 118-95 win over the Brooklyn Nets. Huge victory for the Bulls. A game they looked like they were going to blow in the second quarter, Jason. They rallied back into contention in the third. And once again, a huge fourth quarter for the Bulls. We've seen that a few different times this season. Uh, Bulls coming alive in the fourth quarter behind DeMar DeRozan and Io DeSumo. It put a smile on my face. I'm sure it made you even happier. The Bulls, after 10 games, are 7-3. and three. Pretty remarkable change of fortunes for this franchise. This season is going about as good as it possibly could have, I think. Bulls had a chance to win all three of those games that they lost. Just a solid opening stretch for the Bulls. And the schedule is going to continue to get even harder over these next 10 games. I don't think the Bulls are going 7-3 and three over every set of 10. Give me 500. What a great start to the season for the Bulls. And yesterday was just such a big win over the Nets, man. To be able to uh, blanket James Harden like that, all credit to Alex Caruso, especially in the you know third and fourth quarter, and to withstand an incredibly hot shooting performance from Kevin Durant, who had 38 points, Bulls still getting it done with defense, with energy, and, you know, grinding out another victory. It was impressive to see. Absolutely. And I was uh, I was all ready to be all doom and gloom on this podcast today. It was after those two losses against Philly, which I thought the second, the first loss in Philly was kind of whatever. The Bulls were down all that game. They just did not play well in that game. They did make another, another run, uh, but they were beat late. Uh, by Seth Curry, basically. The second Philly game was, I thought, was a really disappointing game. I know Embiid went full MVP Embiid that game, but they were so shorthanded, and the Bulls just played like crap. So this this Nets game, huge. The Nets Nets were on a winning streak. I think they had won four or five in a row. They haven't looked that great yet. Obviously, they don't have Kyrie. Harden has kind of been whatever to start the season. KD looks like arguably the best player in the world. 
And the Bulls got off to a great start. And that was really nice to see because that was something I had written about after those Sixers games about how they're sluggish starts. So they, they're one of the worst offensive uh, ratings in first quarters in the NBA. And they put up 35 in the first. They looked awesome. They were pl- really attacking the paint, uh, really playing with purpose offensively, getting good shots. Zach got off to a nice start. So that was really nice to see. And then just like the second quarter was just a total disaster. It's completely falling apart, both ends of the court giving up open threes, forcing shots offensively. And I think they were down, what, five or six at the at halftime. And it just felt like, all right, well, this like this is not looking good, not looking good. Third quarter, kind of just hung around, hung around. And then the four, just another huge fourth quarter, as you mentioned. They are actually the number one team in terms of net rating and in the fourth quarter in the NBA this year. Uh, I think they have something like a 20 over – it's an over 20 net rating. Obviously, last night when they won it by, what, 25 – I think they had 42 points. And then the other one where they beat the Celtics by like 28 or 30 in the fourth quarter. Obviously that's really helping that stat right there, but uh, we've just seen them hit another gear in some of these fourth quarters. And I think that's just a really nice just aspect of this team is we know that they can play just like, we know they have this extra gear to them, which just teams in the past, both teams in recent vintage have not had. Uh, And like you said, defense, energy, after a few quiet, the Iowa was not very good in those Sixers games. Iowa was huge, career high, new career high with 15 yesterday. Really had the crowd going nuts with just all over the place. Uh, that rebound he had where he skied over Lamarcus Aldridge and then Beautiful. pushed the pace the other way was great. Uh, it was it was really awesome to see. Like I, I was like, he's going to be a rookie. He's going to have be inconsistent. Uh, but like there have been these games where he's just really helped turn the tide. With uh, and then with like DJJ out there with Caruso with Tony Bradley as well, uh, it's been awesome and it'll be I, I, it'll be we'll be interesting to see again where Kobe White slots in. Kobe White was take is taking more steps to return. He just went to the Windy City Bulls today for a practice stint and then he got recalled. I think he's going to travel with the team on this West Coast road trip. Maybe he'll be back in one of on this road trip coming up. Uh, it'll be interesting to see like how they work him in. I really I tweeted before they went on the big run the fourth again how they could really use Kobe White. And they still they really still could use Kobe White. The three point shooting has been an issue. Uh, it was an issue for a bit last night until they kind of caught fire at the end there. Uh, the bench scoring again has been an issue, an issue with consistency. They've had games like with I like I has been on and off. Uh, Derek Jones Jr.'s play they they play really well with a lot of energy and Kobe begins to slot right in there so. I think they also are seven and three with, I feel like just a lot of room to improve because and we'll talk about Vooch, but I mean, Vooch is just a complete damn disaster shooting wise. He's doing other things. Okay. The passing stuff has been great. I think he played pretty well defensively yesterday, but I mean, the dude, it's been painful watching the dude just botch layups. Like we know he's better than, I mean, whatever's going on, like, and he did finish the game really well. I think he hit his last three shots. He had a big three pointer, couple mid-range shots in the fourth quarter. So that was nice. Maybe that'll help him get going. Uh, but they, they just, I just feel like they could be, they have a lot of room for improvement. They're seven and three. So that's, uh, that's good. That's really nice. Should we start with IO? Let's start sure, with, why not? Let's start with IO. Am I allowed to get preemptively mad about the fact that the bulls only got him on a two-year deal? Great move for IO's agent. He signed a two-year, two and a half million dollar deal. I think he's making under a million a year this year. He's gonna I get think, a million they, and I think they use part of the mid-level to sign him. I think. I can't remember exactly what it was, but. I believe it's a two-year deal with no options, though. I believe. 
And if IO gets keeps this up and he's hitting the open market after two years, IO's going to cash in in a big, big way if he can keep this up. And I compared him to Terrence Mann before the draft, just in terms of role. Terrence Mann was another guy who signed a two-year deal after being a second-round pick out of Florida State. And he got $11 million a year this summer from the Clippers and is off to another nice start. So IO... Way to go, man. Like, great decision in terms of taking, uh, you know, less years. What, what's a standard second-round deal? It's you normally, like... A lot of the times they know. do, like, the four-year thing. Like, what, didn't they call it the hinky special That's where they the sign, like, a four special. years, but with, like, two or three non-guaranteed years? I feel yeah. like it was something like that. So it is pretty common, I think, for a second-round pick to have a two-year deal. But for Io, if he keeps this up, he's going to cash in in a big way because Io looks terrific. And... People have been consistently tweeting at me, and I appreciate it because <laughs> I mean, listen to what I've said that I didn't like the pick when they made it, right? I wanted Sharif Cooper. I thought Sharif Cooper had the higher upside, and I thought Io uh, was sort of a high floor, low ceiling pick. Well, Io is the number 38th overall pick, has already been a really solid seventh or eighth man, and brings certain tangible skills to the team that they like really badly need. He gives them some more perimeter size. He is a maniac in transition, constantly looking to push the pace. Whenever there's a loose ball, whenever he can get his hands on a rebound, he is flying down the other end of the court, running the court super hard, finishes pretty well at the rim. And even yesterday, early in the game, he had one play where the ball trickled to him at the end of the shot clock. He had to make a move, did a nice little behind the back crossover to get some separation and hit like a 15 foot floater. And that was a good movie. He hit a three later in the game, too. So Io is showing us a lot. And uh, one thing I want to say about that, though, is like when the Bulls drafted Io, they did not have Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso. Like they didn't have that team. So I thought, you know, the Bulls needed some more basically uh, high upside creator chances on the team. Because the team that Iowa was drafted into was this, basically the same team the Bulls have had the last four years, which sucked. There was a lot of smoke on the Lonzo stuff, but we didn't know for sure it was going to happen at the time. We certainly didn't know that DeRozan was going to happen or Caruso. So uh, that's the only small part where I'll defend myself. Is I think the Bulls <laughs> really put Iowa in a great position to succeed with Billy's system and the surrounding talent around him. I think if Io comes to last year's team, there's likely a chance that he looks a little overwhelmed and they're asking him to maybe create off the dribble more. Instead, when Io's creating off the dribble, it's in like chaotic situations. And that's when he's really good because the one word you got to associate Io with right now is just fearless, right? And Stefan Noah had a nice little blurb about him in his newsletter saying that Io is really a next play player. Now that's something the Bulls, maybe didn't see with Patrick Williams, who sometimes seems like if he misses a shot or misses two shots, he doesn't want to take the next one. Wendell Carter had a very tough time moving on to the next play after screwing up. Wouldn't even look at the basket, right? With no one guarding him. Uh, He'd be 15 feet away and wouldn't even consider taking a jump shot. But Io had some, he's had a lot of screw ups. He had one play yesterday where it's like, he basically tried to push the ball down court and got it immediately stolen by Harden. So, Io just has a great ability to like stay aggressive. I think his size has always been his best attribute and it, he looks big on the floor. He looks like he belongs. And when they can sort of 
not rely on him to create off standstill burst and off yeah. like, hey, here, go against a set defense in these ways. When he can go in more like chaotic situations or scrambled situations, he's been fucking awesome. And it brings just a, a smile to my face and happiness into my heart to see Io thrive like this. I know, like, I remember when I transferred to Morgan Park from Wesleyanhouse. He was, you know, just growing into what he would become the best high school player in the city. Uh, obviously, staying at home for Illinois, that was a huge deal when he made that commitment to the Jordan brand store. I'm sure you remember that, Jason. And, you know, his, I thought he was going to be a one and done. Then after a couple of years in school, I didn't, like, even before his, he had a very good sophomore season. Junior year truly established himself as one of the best players in the country. But at that point, it's like, I don't really know if this guy's going to be an NBA point guard. And if he's yeah, not I a point guard, he doesn't yeah. shoot that well. So I'm not really sure where he's going to make his bread and butter. But here's the thing, dude. Io just knows how to play the game. And he has the tools physically to compete and give him credit for just like finding ways to be effective in situations where He's not going against the set defense. So I love what I'm seeing out of IO. I did not think he was going to be in the rotation this year. He's been absolutely found money for this Bulls team. Credit to Billy Donovan for trusting him and playing him and credit to IO for, for stepping all the way up and giving the Bulls a great energy guard, energy wing off the bench. Who's just giving them a lot and not taking a ton off the table. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if there's yeah any weaknesses, really just like half court offense stuff. Uh, can still sometimes be a little gun shy. I feel like in half court situations, and I just, just let it rip, man. Uh, I know his jump shot is still kind of is still pretty shaky. And that was he did improve his jumper over the course of his time at Illinois, uh, which gave me a little hope. Obviously, it's still not just doesn't look the prettiest, but he did take I think three or four threes yesterday. He only made the one, but at least if he's at least getting them up. Like they just need guys to not be afraid to take shots, especially on that second unit and. Uh, yeah, he's been awesome. Like I said, he's gonna have his he's gonna have his gaps. So you you brought up that one play. I think Stace even said like he almost got like baited by Harden uh, by the Nets defense basically into that turnover. But yeah, he's just like all it's all over the place, and that's pushing the pace has just been huge. That's what the Bulls say they want to do is when they push, and that's when turning defense into offense is when they really start getting into a groove. And we've seen that that's how they make some of these runs is when they they get stops. And then they just push the ball the other way. They're one of the best teams, I think, efficiency-wise in transition in the NBA. And we just see it when they have these guys just pushing the ball down the court. So yeah, it has been awesome to watch Io. And like he again, he was just like the like, crowd was going crazy for him yesterday. There's a great picture of him from behind with his hands in the air, uh, raising the roof, the United Center roof. I know we use that for the, the bloggable recap. It's a really cool looking picture. Uh and, and yeah, just awesome stuff to see, see for sure. And uh, yeah, you mentioned Billy. It was, it was nice. It was interesting that Billy so quickly kind of went to Iowa over Troy Brown Jr. in the rotation. Like Troy Brown had a, looked decent to start the season. And then I think there was that jazz game where he put up one bad shot. He had a few bad stint. Io took over and he basically just earned their spot in the rotation ever since then, but it's consistently playing hard. You mentioned the fearless stuff. So it definitely is some coaches just we know i mean we know uh i mean back in the day tom thibodeau sometimes had issues playing rookies and all that kind of stuff i mean i guess maybe not i can't remember that might have been a over exaggeration i don't know but like some coaches just don't like playing rookies much uh and 
Billy went to Iowa just rarely early in the season and now is giving him a rotation spot. So yeah. definitely how earning about, that spot is awesome. How about that group that sort of started? I think it was on the floor at the end of the third quarter, the start of the fourth quarter. And they sort of built like the lead was around 10. I think the Nets maybe got it down to maybe like six or seven or something. But that group was Caruso, DeRozan, Io. I believe it was Derek Jones and Tony Bradley. In watching that, I'm like, well, if you're going to build a bench lineup around DeRozan, you want shooters. Right. And you want DeRozan to just, you know, have all the space he needs to be able to get into his mid-range bag. But instead, Stefan highlighted a really nice example of like Caruso setting a screen for Io at the free throw line. You've been seeing the Bulls set screens lower and lower to get DeRozan into his spots. You rarely see that, you know, uh, in a ball screen that low. I believe it was a ball screen at the time. And, uh, you know, I called out that lineup immediately for not having enough sh- shooting. Yep. For a, you know, there are times where it Iowa. looks really bad, like when they, can, they stagnate in the half court, it can look really bad. And that's when I was tweeting about, oh, man, like they really need Kobe White. And then like immediately went on this big run. And they did it with DeRozan's half court shooting. So DeRozan can just overcome terrible spacing because he just gets buckets, baby. Like the defense <laughs> wants to give up these tough mid-range shots that DeRozan just nails. I think DeRozan's only shooting like a few ticks below 50% uh, from mid-range He's shots so far this year. Yeah. And then it's the defense. And it's Caruso locking up Harden, making Harden's life miserable. I tweeted yesterday, NBA basketball in 2021 is watching Caruso guard Harden and thinking Caruso is the upper hand. Like, when's the last time we said that? We saw Harden get the offensive foul call for hooking. I think it's the second time in the last two or three games Harden's gotten an offensive foul call on that, and he just looks like totally bewildered every time. His burst is almost completely gone. I think uh, the hamstring injury he suffered in the playoffs last year is still holding him back some uh, he doesn't look like himself, but no. Caruso took him out of that game yesterday. And I thought you add an IO's transition offense, you add in the just nuclear athleticism of Derek Jones, Tony Bradley's size has really helped solidify those bench units. I think playing him over Alize has been a great move by Billy Donovan. Uh, Alize still seems like he's like totally part of, you know, he's uh, totally engaged too, standing up, cheering on the bench, commenting on IO's Instagram posts and all that. So Definitely seems like great vibes after that win. Anytime you're beating Kevin Durant and James Harden, that's a win you got to celebrate. And, uh, you know, shout out to the Bulls for having that bench unit with DeRozan sort of lead the comeback. Then the starters come back in and it's Nikola Vucevic of all people (laughs) after an absolutely brutal game off the top of my head. I want to say he started that game one for nine. Yeah. And then he has two Back-to-back, huge buckets late, including the dead-on corner three from the center of the line, which uh, was just such a big hit. And hopefully that can get Vooch going because he has really had a rough go at this point. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he missed the he missed the dunk. I mean, I think they went to him for the first possession. I think he missed, like, a wide-open shot. Uh, he, like, wasn't able to score over Blake Griffin a few times in the post. Like, they tried some post stuff with him. Uh, just missing little hook shot bunnies right around the basket. Uh, there was a one possession where he caught a pick and pop at the top of the key. Didn't even look at the rim. The Bulls scored on the play, but it was just notable. It was like, it was like watching Wendell Carter, uh, Bulls, Wendell Carter, who, although Wendell had shot seven threes the other night and hit four of them and a huge win over the jazz shout out to Wendell for playing pretty well so far this year, but it, it felt almost like the no confident Wendell Carter jr. Were, he would get the ball like open. It's like, you got it. And he, but he wouldn't even look at the rim. It's like, dude, come on. 
And then, like you said, he finally started to find it there at the end. And I think he ended up like five for 16. So obviously it was still another really poor shooting night for him. But I think he started two of 11 or two of 12. Just again, <laughs> missed dunks. I think he missed a layup right after the dunk as well. Like he missed he just, a dunk and a layup on consecutive. Yeah, possession. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember that exactly. I mean, the dunk was obviously like it was aggressive. It was an aggressive mood move, but like whatever. The seven footer, you got to make be making dunks, man. It's just been incredible. His just and he's shooting like forty percent in the restricted area. I think now at this point, uh, I don't know what it is. Like I said, I don't, I don't know if it's the ball, if it's confidence, if it's a bit of everything. Like I, I mean, he's still getting looks. I like the shots he's taking. Uh, so we just have to hope that. He does that. I don't know. Game to game momentum. I don't know if that's really a thing, but uh, maybe hopefully those last couple of shots got him some confidence. I know this kind of happened in that jazz game too, where he was just absolutely atrocious all night and then hits two really big shots at the end. It was kind of a similar thing to that. We just really need that to uh, uh, be a thing from the start of games and him not starting two of 10 or two of 11 from the field all the time. And just very strange. Uh, you have to think he's going to get get out of this funk at some point. He's he's too good. I don't think this is like a wash situation. Like, And he's still getting to his spots for the most part, getting up decent shots. He's, I mean, his passing has been fantastic from the middle of the court, making making pretty good decisions for the most part uh, defensively. Uh, he played reasonably well. Obviously, going not having to go up against Joel Embiid is uh, much nicer. The Nets, Blake Griffin just isn't what he used to be anymore. Uh, he had a couple of really nice blocks, uh, some help defense. That was really nice. So he still is doing some good things. Like, I don't want to just totally be like, Vooch is like a total bum out there. We just, we obviously, the bulls obviously need him to get out of this offensive funk. We just, we see how good they can be. We, we, we saw them just rolling in the fourth quarter when they all have it going. Vooch has it going. DeRozan, those other guys, Zach was, Zach was actually really quiet in the fourth. I don't even know if he scored at all. Maybe I might've, maybe I just totally missed that, but I feel like they were doing it without Zach having to go nuclear, which is, uh, why you bring these other guys in? Zach Levine doesn't have to do everything. He's still he's still really struggling with his own three point shooting. Uh, but all these other guys stepping up help you put up one eighteen on a Nets team that had been playing really well. So if Vooch can finally come around, if Zach can kind of get that three, if he can finally start making threes again at some point, I think we can see just how good this Bulls offense can be. I mean, and, and again, it feels like they've really struggled at times offensively, and they're still ranked what like sixth or seventh on offense. Uh, so it's, I think that's a great sign that we know that they can be better and they've still been really damn good. Yeah. But we can't let Vooch off the hook too much no. because we haven't done a podcast in a while. His last four games, Vooch is 37 points <laughs> shooting 35% from the field. This includes last night's Brooklyn game. Vooch, it's not just that he's missing everything in sight, <laughs> though it is that it's also that he's shooting a lot. He's third on the team in field goal attempts per 100. That's probably where he's going to remain the entire year. True shooting percentage of 43.7, Jason. <laughs> That's just not a good true shooting percentage. Yeah, he doesn't shoot free throws, so like he can't he doesn't get easy points that way. He's like 11 points behind league average, I think, <laughs> in true shooting percentage and uh yeah, so his true shooting plus, which I believe 100 is average, he's at 80. So, he's been brutal. Brutal offensively. Are you worried that maybe this is like a Chuck Knobloch situation, a Markel Fultz situation, (laughs) and Luke just isn't going to be able to score efficiently anymore? Because, dude, these some of these shots are not even fucking close, and he's like five feet away from the rim. It's insane. He's throwing it up there. Do you remember like when Noah 
was grinding out like 39 minutes a game with plantar fasciitis and could like barely move. And his body was completely toast. Tibbs had ruined him, but he would be out there still fighting. And there'd be times when like Noah would just like not even come fucking close to the rim <laughs> on his shots. He'd just be like throwing stuff off the top of the backboard. <laughs> I feel like Vooch is almost there. Like Vooch is, these are shots that if you're seven feet tall in the rim's 10 feet and you're five feet away from it, drop it in. Man. Not be hard shots, dude. <laughs> they shouldn't be hard shots. And he's totally bricking them. So I want to be positive. Like, I feel like he's back because... rimming like everything. It feels like just like shooting it too hard. Like, I don't, I, yeah, it's weird. Maybe he needs to go to the Tim Duncan bank school <laughs> or just like figure out how to have some touch, bro, because he's always had good touch throughout his career. But uh, I don't want to let Vooch off the hook. This is a positive podcast episode. The Nets win was a great win. I was super hyped after that win. I just felt great after it, especially after that fourth quarter, just whooping the Nets ass in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Trick. Watching that and then watching Justin Fields almost bring the Bears back was just like a wonderful confluence of events. There. Even though the Bears lost, which I don't even really care about. Justin Fields like fucking awesome. Watching the Bulls and then watching Justin Fields throw lasers all over the field was uh, very entertaining. Sure. But through the first 10 games, Vooch, terrible. Yeah, yeah, he's sure. done good things on the floor. He hasn't. It's not like he's been a zero in every aspect of the game. But overall, if you're grading his overall performance, where's his impact been? I mean, you got to give the guy a D, a D, a D minus. Yeah, I w- I'm not giving it an F. I'm not giving him an F because he has done some other stuff. He rebounds reasonably well. The passing has been nice. But I mean, he's there to be. A, a, cons- a consistent third option. He's a, he's been a 2010 guy in his career. And right now he's averaging like 13 points a game on like 15 shots a game. It's just <laughs> horrifically bad. Yeah. He's had, I guess he's had a handful of games. So he scored 15 a few times. He had a 22 point game against the Knicks. He was really good in that game where he hit three threes, but uh, otherwise Vooch dude, get it together. <laughs> And do you like, do you think it's a coincidence they made their comeback with Bradley in there? Like, I really like what Bradley's given him. Bradley was a plus 13 in the game, but Vooch was a plus 10 too. That's what happens when you win a game by like 23 points. Yeah. But, uh, I think Bradley's been a nice addition and Vooch, if you're going to be shooting this much, you got to make some dude, but I do like his shooting. I think his shooting is extremely necessary. His three point shooting. I mean, even if he's only going to make, like right now he's making, I think, 28% of his threes. I still think there's value in that, even though he's making 26% of his threes. Jesus. So that's a terrible percentage, obviously. You want him at like 35 at least. Yeah, last, like, year, like, last year he was 40. Like, I don't think that that might, that, a little bit of an outlier, possibly. I think that was his best, career best. No he fans. doesn't need to shoot. Yeah, he doesn't need to shoot 40%. And like you said, give me a league average. If he's league average at seven feet tall, getting up five or six a game, the teams have to worry about him. That just opens up opens up uh, space for the other guys. And shooting was up all over the league last year, which yeah. it looks like the no fans thing really did make a difference in terms of the shooting percentages. You also got a new ball this year. You got, you know, the refs having different points of emphasis. So there's a confluence of factors. There's no doubt. But Vooch, keep shooting threes. But when you're taking those like five footers, fucking make them. Dude. I mean, just make. Like I, said, I don't hate that he's like taking the amount of shots. He should be for with his track record. Those are the shots he should be taking. He just needs to fucking make them. <laughs> like just it's as simple as that. He's just got to make shots. Like everything else he's doing is like fine. Uh, he's just got to make the damn shots. And you hope you'd think at some point 
he'll get over whatever this is ailing him here. He'll get used to the ball or he'll get his confidence back. Um, yeah, it was, it's not like it's not like an, this is, I don't think there's a situation where he's like, he's not getting like enough looks. Like obviously sometimes when whatever he become you, a guy become goes from like super high usage to a third guy. I mean, like the Kevin love thing, like, I don't think he's the issue. There's an issue of like rhythm or anything like that. They're going to him early in games. He's getting chances early and he's just missing right basically from the start. So you just gotta, you just gotta go, just gotta make. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know, there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else, if there was anything else from this game that really stood out. Uh, obviously, we talked about the bench, the defense. Zach has been. What are your thoughts on Zach? Do you think? I guess he. I had to need to look up. I need to look at his three point shooting because he's still like having a decent season. Like just overall, I don't remember how much he scored yesterday. I mean, he's still averaging 26 points per game. He's shooting almost. He's like he's he can't miss from mid range. He's he's at 48 percent overall. He's, but he's under 32% from three. He's taking only 6.6 per game, 90% for the line. So, like, he's shooting great everywhere but three-point range. Like, I do wonder if that's another – if that's the hand, if that's something with the no fans, if that's something with the ball. I feel like it's just so weird that he can make literally he's – like, he's been insane for mid-range, I feel like, and he's shooting great free throws. But he just is not shooting well from three. I think he was like 0 for 4 yesterday, and he's just not taking as many. What do you make of Zach's start to the season so far? Yeah, I think Zach in general has been not his best. And it's a testament to all the talent the team added around him that the team's still seven and three. Zach looks decent. So like you said, I think he's, you know, one of the NBA's top five scorers. He had 24 last night on the year. He is, he's still got like pretty good scoring efficiency. He's just below 60% true shooting which is the same as DeRozan. It feels like DeRozan has been way more efficient than Zach, right? But they have the same true shooting, partly because uh, Zach hits threes, but DeRozan gets to the foul line. Uh, I think that Zach just needs to keep shooting the threes. Like, the Bulls as a team are still, I think, dead last in three-point attempts per game. They are. So they're only taking under 27 attempts per game from three. That's not enough. The guys you need to be taking them are Zach, Lonzo, and Caruso. So how do you put those guys and in position Bush. to take threes? You run the offense through DeRozan. And for as much as DeRozan has sort of captained the offense uh, in the early part of the season, you know, we were on the Bulls 101 podcast with uh, Chris and Lero. If you like our show, please subscribe to Chris and Lero. They absolutely kill it with their Bulls podcast. And 
you know, they were just saying they need more. They want more DeRozan in the half court. And I couldn't agree more with that. Like the only way to fix the math issue that the Bulls offense is currently being dragged down by. And to be clear, the Bulls are tied for sixth right now in offensive rating while being last in three point attempts. That is just incredible, especially considering a year ago, this team couldn't get to the foul line at all. And now they're getting to the foul line, you know, That's why they signed DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> It's a, it's a lot of DeRozan, but we need more DeRozan. This is DeMar DeRozan's team, baby, <laughs> at least for now, at least while Zach is playing injured. And you wonder, like, what's the end game? Like, is Zach going to eventually shut it down for a little bit to totally heal up? Is he going to play hurt the whole season? Is the injury going to improve while he continues to play? Right. That sort of seems unlikely to me. But if Zach's going to be out there, I want more Zach off the ball. I want Billy to get a little bit more creative with his sets. Right now, the Bulls' offense is generally pretty bland, right? Like, it's a lot of dribble handoff. Uh, you're not getting super creative, in my opinion, with leveraging Zach's skills off the ball. I think that uh, with Zach having the finger, the thumb issue on his left hand, probably what you want to do is get him in position to score where he's not dribbling right? Like you don't want him to take on the defense off the dribble where it's Zach against the world all the time. You want to get him going to the basket as a cutter. You want to have him flying around screens in position to catch and shoot. You don't just want him trying to create when he's playing with one hand. So that's the one thing I would say about Zach through the first 10 games. Let's try to get Zach in more advantageous positions to score on the move where the ball's finding him and he doesn't have to create. Someone else is creating. Zach's getting the ball in position to score. Yep, I pretty much agree with everything you said there. It just—he's it, just been like really consistently around. That it's crazy to me that he's still at twenty-six points per game. It just doesn't feel like he's popped, and he's still putting up pretty putting up pretty good numbers. It would be nice to see him get more of those awful opportunities, so he's not taking as many uh, just like pull-up shots. So we'll see. Like I said he, he's been pretty pretty dang good, which I just also a testament to to him that he's still putting up these numbers, despite it feeling like he could be a lot better. So again, way more possible room for improvement. Um, Did you have any other thoughts before we just kind of look ahead here from last night's game? Um, I thought that, uh, you know, Derek Jones, 17 minutes. I thought he played pretty well Uh, again helping them get in transition. They make a big run with him on the floor. I'd like to see Derek Jones in the starting lineup. And then how do you feel about Stefan's idea that Caruso should be starting? Uh, Stefan's idea is basically like you have him to guard the ball. The best players with the ball start. So you're still going to end games with him, but why not start him? Have DeRozan play the four to start games. You know, I do sort of like having either Derek Jones or Javante there, but his argument makes sense. So just curious what you think about the starting lineup right now. Would you keep rocking with Javante? Do you go to Derek Jones? Do you go to Caruso? Javante did play pretty well yesterday. I was, I've been on the, I'm start, starting to be totally out on Javante as, as the starter. I mean, he could still play in the rotation, but uh, it was the starters had been struggling. The slow starts to the game. Not that it was all Javante's fault. And, and we've talked about this, like he's doing what he can, but he's just not that good. He was pretty dang good yesterday. He had 11, seven, seven rebounds, 11.7 rebounds, three steals, two assists. Uh, he did his best on Kevin Durant. He's just, too small KD six almost seven feet shooting right over him that's gonna be a problem with anybody basically that's that's one of the areas where like not having pad is 
kind of tough. They just don't have that big wing defender who can really guard a guy like that. I mean, Jones kind of plays bigger. He said we saw him play 17 minutes and was pretty solid in those minutes. Uh, I don't think they're going to change Javante yet. Like I said, I think if the slow starts like stayed being a thing, like I said, they were much better in the first quarter yesterday. The slow start stayed being a thing I could see them possibly going to Derek Jones. You know, I do think Jones should probably play more. I mean, Javante played 29 minutes yesterday. Like I said, he did play pretty well. Jones only played 17, and I think he's only – it just doesn't feel like he's playing that much. Obviously, they had, when you have all these other guys in there that they want to play more minutes. But I feel like he could at least – he's at least made a case to get more minutes. I think he's only at like 15 or 16 minutes per game this season. Yeah, he's 15.7. He's played six games. Uh, I definitely think he could play if he's not starting to play a bit more in terms of Crusoe. I also totally get that as well. Uh, Crusoe's playing 25, 30 minutes a night. Anyways, I do understand like they want him to be that bench spark. Uh, I feel like the, the crowd pops every time he uh, comes in the game off the bench as like the first sub on uh, just, they like having him as the bench point guard or whatever, but uh, especially with Pat out, I think it does make some sense and just like play, what you, and that's their closing lineup. So why not just play your st- your closing lineup as your starting group? Um, but I, I'm assuming Billy just really likes having Crusoe's energy off the bench. But like I said, I, we'll see what goes on in these first quarters. If the Bulls can st- if they can play like they did in the first quarter more regularly, whatever you can keep Javante there. Uh, but we saw in that Sixers game, he, he botched a couple layups. It was really sluggish to start that game. Uh, if that is if that is a trend that continues. Uh, maybe they do go to Derek Jones Jr. or even start Caruso. Uh, I mean, especially with Kobe White coming. I mean, with Kobe White coming back, someone asked me today actually on Twitter, like, if if you would start Kobe White over Javante, I just I would be surprised. I feel like they probably want to spread out some of that scoring low offense and just what they want a more defense a defensive minded guy in the starting lineup in that Patrick Williams spot, but. Um, again, it'll be it, it, just in general, it'll be interesting to see what happens with when Kobe comes back and how the minutes get distributed there. Totally. So looking ahead, if you want to go see the Bulls in person, you might as well go this next game on Wednesday. The Bulls Luke. playing Luka Doncic and the Mavericks on Wednesday, November 10th. And then the Bulls hit the road for one, two, three, four, five games in a row. West Coast road trip. This would be the old circus trip, Jace. And it's a tough slate ahead of them. You got the league best Warriors on Friday, who have been awesome, but they've also played a cupcake schedule so far. So, uh, you know, we'll see what the Bulls can do against them. Caruso on Steph could be really, really fun. Uh, And then, you know, Otto Porter has been playing pretty well for them. Uh, They're getting a lot of veteran contributions. So Golden State looking good. That's on Friday at Golden State. Then you got the Clippers on Sunday, the Lakers on Monday. That back-to-back in L.A. better not be going out Saturday night in L.A. Bulls. Otherwise, those are going to be two losses. But, you know, the Lakers sort of look like a disaster right now. While LeBron is – he's got the abdomen injury right now, I think. Is he going to play for the Bulls? Unclear when he'll be back. Yeah. And then you got at Portland and at Denver to close that out. Denver beating the Heat last night. Really impressive without Murray – or without Michael Porter Jr., of course, everyone's going to remember that for the Jokic shove on uh, Markeith Morris. Who Markeith Morris started? Ah, you, you deserved it. He started. You deserved it. <laughs> probably deserved more. So that was still a dirty play by Jokic, no yeah. doubt. But come on, Morris was the aggressor there. So uh, Bulls seven and through 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 the first ten. 
these next 10 are going to be tough, man. So after yeah. that stretch, I think you really got to win. You got to win this Mavs game at home. The Mavs are, I think they're also seven and three, but they just, they haven't been very good. They've beaten a lot of crap teams. Uh, their offense has not been as good as usual. So like, I think this is a game you got to win. You're at home before this trip. You got to win this game. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then once they get through this stretch, then you got the Knicks at home. That'll be a tough game. It's the last time they played the Knicks at home all year on November 21st. But then you go home against the Pacers at Houston, at Orlando. Like, hopefully they could try to get some good momentum going out of that portion of the schedule. And for this portion, you know, just split those L.A. games. Uh, split the Mavs Warriors game. If they go two and three, I would be fine with that. I mean, these are really tough games. Like, obviously, it'd be great if they could go three and two or four and one, but give me at least two wins. I just don't want to see them go like one and four on this West Coast trip. Find two yeah. wins somewhere. Exactly. And then I was going to say split the Nuggets Blazers game. Yeah. So just like tread water if you yeah. can over these next few. And, you know, people have been saying it, and it's true. Like, now these other teams see the bulls on the schedule and it's not such an easy win anymore. Yeah, it's nice. It is nice. Uh, we will be doing one more pod before this West Coast trip. We're going to have our guy, Stefan Noan. We'll be recording that Thursday, so that'll be exciting just to get his his thoughts on these bulls vibes going into that West Coast trip. Hopefully we'll be talking about a win over the Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday night, so we'll see. Ricky, you have any final thoughts here? Let's We can wrap it up. I think we're good. Wrap it All up. right, yeah, let's, uh, we'll wrap it up here. As always, shout out to the Blue Iron Network. Please go check out all the great pods across the Blue Iron Network if you like what we're doing here. Tons of great podcasts, NBA, NFL, other sports. We just a ton of stuff going on at Blue Wire. It's great uh, for us here at Cash Considerations, H. Heibel's podcast. As always, please uh, give us those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Podcasts, all those good places. You can also hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SVN underscore Ricky. And once again, another shout out to our guy Fuzzgun for our sweet, sweet new intro for this pod. Uh, again, we will have one. We will be recording one more podcast this week before the West Coast trip with our guy Stefano coming in a couple days after the Mavs game. So we will talk to you guys then. Take it easy. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.